Turn to Ezekiel chapter 40. That's what we're starting with today. Um, we remember that uh, we studied, uh, we've gone through this whole book, and uh, the, the theme of the book was really that Ezekiel was this prophet who was um, part of the exile, right? That um, Babylon had come and conquered Israel, and he was exiled there. And Ezekiel was then told by God to prophesy. And there was a lot of things he prophesied about. Uh, one was um, the that uh, Jerusalem would be destroyed and um, Ezekiel reminded them reminded the children of Israel of their great sin right and a lot of the chapters was uh, an indictment of the sins of Israel and uh, it was the sin what were the sins of Israel well there's just countless but you know, idolatry was a big theme, right? That they had um, that they had gone after the uh, gods of uh, the lands, and uh, they there was a lot about their injustice. There was a lot about um, injustice, meaning you know, there there were, you know, it, it connected a lot with what we were studying in Deuteronomy. I, I really appreciate actually that we, you know, we're looking at Deuteronomy on Wednesdays and they lined up, you know, all the things God had told them to do, you know, about justice and equality and justice under the law, right, that you were not supposed to favor those who were rich or richer, or, you know, it, with with things that you were, there was supposed to be this equality, all those things were forgotten. Those were forgotten. And, and you know, throughout the book of Ezekiel, you'll see that God told them that they had forgotten him, right? A lot of the sins was because it says, and you forgot me, right? You have forgotten me. He says it over and over. You have forgotten me. <coughs> And so because of their sins, we remember that God then went through and talked about all the punishments that they were going to get because of their sin. And ultimately, we'll remember that he talked about, he, he prophesied against Judah and and, uh, and Jerusalem, and he, he, uh, he, talked about their judgment because of it and and one of the judgments was that the glory of the glory of God that dwelt in the temple departed right and it's a it's a really sad picture when you when you see that the glory of the God God de- departed and so then he judged he, then we went on and he said not only am I judging 
Israel, I'm going to judge all the nations around them, right? And then, this last few weeks, we've been looking at Israel's restoration, right? So, he talked about all the judgments that were coming upon them, and then from um, around chapter uh, 33, we were looking at Israel's restoration. Actually, I might have a right, and here you see Jerusalem restored, the land of Israel renewed, the nation of Israel resurrected and reunited. Right, so those were all the previous chapters, and then we will look at chapter forty and later today. Let's look to the Lord in prayer for help as we study His Word, our Father. We thank you for this time you've given us. We thank you for the book of Ezekiel. We thank you that um, we've been able to learn much of you uh, through our study of it. We pray that you'd help us uh, by your Holy Spirit this this morning to learn from your word and to um, learn more of the... uh, We pray for the children downstairs as well and the boys and girls and young people down there that they would also know you more through their studies thank you in Jesus name Amen so today we're just going to start we're going to study uh, Ezekiel 40 through 48 so we'll just read through the 8 chapters and be done No, I, th- I think that's, that won't really work very well. Um, what you'll see as you go through these chapters is that, and we'll see as we read the first few verses, that it's really talking about a temple, right? So let's read the first few verses of chapter 40 just to get an intro into the, into the section. It says, in, tw- in the 25th year of our exile, at the beginning of the year, on the 10th month, tenth of the month in the fourteenth year after the city was taken on that same day the hand of the Lord was upon me and he and he brought me there in the visions of God he brought me into the land of Israel and set me on a very high mountain and on it to the south where there was a structure like a city so he brought me there so he's on a, there's a vision he's he's brought into the land of Israel that's the location as in a very high mountain there's a city he brought me there, verse 3, and behold, there was a man whose appearance was like the appearance of bronze with a line of flax and a measuring rod in his hand. And he was standing in the gateway. The man said to me, Son of man, see with your eyes, hear with your ears, and give attention to all that I'm going to show you, for you have been brought here in order to show it to you. Declare to the house of the Lord all that you see. And behold, there was a wall on the outside of the temple all around and in the man's hand was a measuring rod of six cubit each of which was a cubit and a hand breadth so he measured the thickness of the wall one rod and the height one rod so pause there for a second so so you have this vision that's it, that Ezekiel is given and it's of a city He's on a mount that's of a city, and I'll submit to you that that this city is Jerusalem. He's talking about, 
And then in verse 5 says, And behold, so they went into the city, and behold, there was a wall on the outside of the temple all around, right? And so there's a temple, right? So we're in Jerusalem, we are, we, they go into the city, and we're, we're going to be looking at a temple, right? And so as we go through this, we'll see that there's, you know, a lot of details about this temple, and we'll we'll get to see that. But I wanted to first, before we get into that, sort of look at this idea of a temple, right? And um, I, th- I think this temple is 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 really this this place where God can be can, can be in fellowship with with His people, right? Where God is and can live in fellowship with his people. Now, it's I believe this is related to if you turn back to chapter 37 and verse 26 of Ezekiel, it actually I think this is, you know, referring um, these verses were were speaking of this temple, right? In verse 26, it says, "I will make a covenant of peace with them. It will be an everlasting covenant with them, and I will place them and multiply them." And I will set my sanctuary in their midst forever. Right? My dwelling place also will be with them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. So the Israel was going to be established as a nation. We 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 learned that in the last few weeks. Uh, and he is going to set up a sanctuary. And I think the verse chapter forty onwards is really a description of that sanctuary, of that temple, right? So this place where God can live in fellowship with His people. Now, what is it so amazing is that God loves His creatures, right? God loves us as human beings, as creatures He has created, and He wants to have a relationship with us. It was true from the very beginning, right? In the very beginning in the garden, he was walking in the cool of the day, right, to fellowship with Adam and Eve, right? Remember that? So from the very beginning, God wanted to be with his people. And then you see that he had the tabernacle, right? He wanted a loving relationship, and then he, you know, through the through the wilderness, he had this tabernacle, and God was God's glory was there. And then um, the next thing you'll see is um, um, several different temples. Now, one thing I wanted to point out as you as we read this is that there are many places as we read this where. Well, if you read and, and, and look at what uh, many people will say about this, they will they will take this temple and spiritualize it, right? They'll, they'll say that it's uh, a picture of something that's not really a temple, but it's a picture of something else, right? And we'll we might mention some of the things that folks say about it, but I think we have to we're going to interpret scripture as literally as possible, except when it's clear that it's not literal, that it is an image or a picture, right? Otherwise, when it says there's a temple, there's it's a temple, right? I, I don't think there's a need for us to start spiritualizing this, and we see a lot of um, prophetical books are done this way, and we'll see that 
as we go through this book, it's very, very detailed. So detailed that um, if you go into YouTube and search for Ezekiel's temple, you'll see that people are able to get like 3D um, and we'll see a little picture. I didn't I didn't show you the video just because I knew we didn't have time. But you'll see that they actually have, you know, detailed enough that they have the buildings. And it's, it's really amazing, right? It's detailed enough. And so it's like if you spiritualize that, what's the point of that? What's the point of giving the distances and the spaces? And it's it, it's it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Now, there might be some, you know, lessons or spiritual lessons we can learn from those. But... We're going to interpret scripture as literally as possible. Now, just a quick overview of the temples in the Bible, right? And these are, again, this idea that God wants to, you know, make a habitation with his people. He, you know, you know, the, the Bible says, and God would have a dwelling among his people. That's like a common phrase used, that God would have a dwelling among his people. And we'll see that um, it would benefit us, I think, if we took a quick survey through the Bible and the different temples that were there. So first of all, and I already mentioned the tabernacle, that was sort of a temporary um, um, uh, place where God was with Israel as they went through the wilderness. Then the, the more permanent structure was, the first one was Solomon's temple. Remember that. Uh, that was the first one that was the one that is contemporaneous with, with Ezekiel right so when he talks about the temple early on in chapter 8 9 10 and so forth he's talking about Solomon's temple right that's that was still there but then we remember that as he goes through you know as as uh, Babylon came with Nebuchadnezzar, and they destroyed that temple, and um, in che- and that was the temple where the glory of the glory of God actually came and resided. Right? If, if you go back into the Old Testament and look at some of the verses, excuse me, turn that off. Um, that. Um, that the glory of God came and, you know, it says in, in Second Chronicles 7, 1, it says, Now when Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the house, right? So the glory of God dwelt there, and then we'll, we saw that in, in the early parts of Ezekiel, the glory of God left that temple because of the sin of the people. Later on, remember, this remnant returned from Babylon and they built this temple under Zerubbabel. I call it Zerubbabel's temple or second temple. And in this temple, it was modest. It wasn't quite as large. And you see uh, in Ezra chapter 3, I believe there were people who were weeping when they saw this temple. They were weeping because it wasn't as grand as Solomon's temple and they remembered that and then there was no ark in there and, and there's no account of that temple being having the glory of God fill that temple right and then later on you have Herod's temple and 
I call that, well, I call it version 2.5. It's not, so it wasn't really a new temple, right? But Herod basically expanded and improved, yeah, made, made improvements to the temple. You know, he said it wasn't quite as, you know, large as it was, and so the, he expanded it. And um, but between between this time in in, in be, before Herod came, you know, there were many things that happened in the temple, and um, it was you know when when Israel was occupied by the Greeks or the Seleucids, you know, they they. Uh, Desecrated the temple, and they put a, a, a statue of Zeus in there. And historically, all kinds of things happened in Zerubbabel's temple. Uh, eventually, it was cleansed. And, you know, if you, you, if you look up like the Maccabean re- revolt and stuff, they came and and and, and uh, defeated the Greeks and, and cleaned the temple again. Anyway, Herod comes in, he expands it, and then what finally happens to Herod's temple? Well, it was destroyed as predicted by the Lord Jesus, right? It says Jesus left the temple area and was going on his way. So the Herod's temple was the one that that was there at the time of the Lord Jesus, right? He says, um, his when his disciples came up to point out the temple buildings to him, but he responded and said to them, do you not see all these things? Truly I say to you, not one of, not one stone here will be left upon another which will not be torn down right so you have and, and sure enough AD 70 uh, the Romans legions attacked Jerusalem and you have um, you have that temple being destroyed right and and pretty much every stone was uh, ripped up and uh, you know it's not they say it, but I, I'm not sure it's completely proven. But they say that they they had they put fire to the temple, and the gold and and so forth and silver melted and and went into the cracks. And so they the soldiers pulled off every stone to to get to the the, the precious metals. So literally, again, you have this. You know, every word um, that the Lord Jesus says is is you know comes true. It's not so. It's something we can count on. So what happens after that? Well there's you know after her, you know after that temple uh, you have another temple I think and uh, that that that's sort of contemporary to us. Now so in each of these stages again coming back it's God wanting to dwell with his people, right? That's the idea. God wants a relationship with each one of you. Each one of us. That's such an amazing thing. And so throughout history, he's setting up these things as a symbol of that. That, that where he wants that interaction, that he, where he wants to be. And not just that interaction, that is where he receives glory, right? There's worship there, and he receives glory from his creation, right? Like he's worshiped. And so now in this time, in this age, what you have is you have uh, each individual believer being indwelt by the Holy Spirit, by God, right? It says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, and that you are not 
your own. For you have been bought for a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Right Again, that, that theme, right? You have God living in you, so glorify God. And then, there's the church also. The church is the church that is the... The church is not a building in the physical sense, right? But it is pictured, all the believers together, all the people who have turned to the Lord Jesus and are His children, are together part of this church, right? Of this church. And that church is pictured as a building, and then that church is spoken of as the dwelling place of God on earth, right? He says, in whom the whole building... This is Ephesians 2.21 and 22. In whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. In whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. So, each one, right? It talks about, um, the Bible talks about that, right? right? Your, your, um, Your um, so so when you're saved so so if there's anybody here who doesn't know the Lord Jesus as their Savior that I, I really would 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 you know ask you to plead with you to accept Him as your Savior and Lord right so that you have the privilege of God coming and residing in you. It's such an amazing thing, right? That God resides in us, each one of us. That we can have communion with Him, that we can have fellowship with Him, that we can hear from Him, that, that when we read the Word of God, that the Holy Spirit works that Word into our hearts, like teaches us. All these things are not possible unless you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior. So you, each believer here, is a temple of God, right? So that's in this current age. Now, I'd like to do a few verses here just to see in the in the prophetic word. Like now, we have to sort of go into prophecy now. We've, we've talked about the past up till the current age, right? But then we also have to go into the future for a second quickly. So I'll quickly go through these verses read them and then we'll we'll get some lessons here. So 70 weeks have been decreed so this is Daniel 9:24. 70 weeks have been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish the wrongdoing, to make an end of sin, to make atonement for guilt, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy place. So you are to know and understand that from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah, the Prince, there will be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. So, this is a prophetic word from in Daniel saying, from the time of the decree to restore the temple, that to that is a that's Zerubbabel's temple, as we're talking about here, right? To the time when Messiah, the Prince. Right, will be cut off. Will be six, seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. So these are weeks of years. We we don't have time to get into all that, but it's really sixty-nine weeks of years. And then it 
says, Then after 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing, and the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary, and its end will come with a flood. Even to the end, there will be war. De- desolations are determined. Right? So, there's a prince who will come and destroy the city, and then it says, and he will confirm a covenant. So there's this person who will come, right? And he will confirm a covenant with many for one week. So this is the 70th week that many in prophecy talk about. And he will confirm a covenant with the many for one week, but in the middle of the week he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering. And on the wings of abominations will come one who makes desolate until a complete destruction one that is decreased, gushes forth from the one who makes desolate. Right? So, the point here is, there's going to be a coming a time, the 70th week. Right now, we're sort of between the 69th week and the 70th week. Right? There's this gap. And then on the 70th week, at some point there's going to be a covenant made between this person and in the middle of the week, He'll put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering. Right? Another verse. No one is deceived, no one is to deceive you in any way. For it will not come until, unless the apostasy come first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts him above every so-called God, object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God. So, we, 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 we have the verse before that talks about offerings, and here it takes a seat in the temple of God. So somebody who's going to come and who's going to demand worship in a temple. So I'll skip over this as well. I think that's it's pretty clear that that there's going to be this time when in the, when there's going to be another temple, right? In this what we call the tribulation period. So after. From a prophetic standpoint, we'll have, we're all waiting for the Lord Jesus Christ to return for us. And then all believers will be taken up with Him, right? And then there's going to be this covenant or this treaty that's signed between this person and Israel. And that begins this tribulation period when God will judge Israel, right? So God will turn His attention to Israel. And it's related to some of the prophecies we've talked about in chapter 30, you know, in the 30s here of Ezekiel. And then the ruler, it seems, is going to allow the temple in Jerusalem to be rebuilt, right? So there's going to be a temple somewhere there. And in the middle of that, he's going to demand worship. He's going to put an end to the offerings there and sacrifices, and he's going to demand to be worshipped. So there's going to be this tribulation temple. And um, I think this temple, again, is going to be destroyed towards the end of the tribulation because there's going to be a lot of, you know, it talks about this, uh, the Mount of Olives being split in half and there's going to be all kinds of earthquakes and so forth in in the land of Jerusalem, uh, in, in the land of Israel and in Jerusalem so that I don't think this, temple will survive but that's again I mean there might be other opinions here but I I think this will be a temple that will 
end at that time during the tribulation. Now, at the end of the tribulation, it says Christ will actually come back and he will set up this thousand year reign in um, thousand year reign, right? And uh, just when you think things uh, that he's defeated, um, he's going to become triumphant, he's going to be exalted, and this this thousand year reign is something we call the millennium, right? And and we're running out of time. We don't have time to go through all the verses, but if you are interested in learning about that, it's in Revelation chapter twenty that talks about that. And we'll go through some quick things about what happens in the millennium, right? That And there's verses here. Again, we can't go through all of them. I'll give them to you if you want references. But basically, I said there's going to be geologic changes, right? Big earthquakes. That I think the whole topography of, it sounds like, of Jerusalem and that area will, will change. There's There's going to be animal behavior that's changed, right? Like lions with lambs and so forth, right? Human life is going to, lifespans are going to increase. Um, there's political things that are going to happen. Israel would be reunited. We already talked about that. Like I think in John's message a couple weeks ago, he talks about this regathering, right? The regathering of Israel. And Christ will rule from Jerusalem. There will be universal peace. Jerusalem will be the world capital. I mean, these are incredible things we can't really picture right now, but that, this is what the Word of God suggests, right? That And the, all the world will be blessed through Israel, right? So at the beginning of the, the, the this period of time, Satan will be defeated and locked up, right? And, it, and here is where things get interesting, right? There will be a millennial temple built, animal sacrifices and feasts will be celebrated. And that's what we'll be really talking about. I, I went through all that to come to this point where there's going to be in this time, in this time period when Jesus Christ will come, be on the earth and you will rule and reign from Jerusalem, right? All the nations will come to worship and acknowledge Him there. And the, the sacrifices and the feasts, many of them will be um, resumed. And obviously the sacrifices, we all know that those sacrifices speak of the Lord Jesus. They're going to be, at, at that time, like back in the Old Testament, the burnt offering or sin offering or whatever, always looked forward to the Lord Jesus Christ, right? But the sacrifices in the millennium will be memorial, like they'll be looking back, right? They'll be looking back because it's already done. So this is this fourth temple, what I Ezekiel's temple, and and I say that it's different. It's not any of these other temples. You know, some people will actually say this is why I'm talking about this literal interpretation. This temple is one that is in dimensions doesn't match anything that was that came before, right? It's not the same shape. There's no ark or golden altar mentioned. There's no lampstand mentioned. There's no veil. There's no temple of bread. There's no high priest mentioned. Uh, there, there's never, uh, and there's a, there's a, 
there's a, a stream flowing out from this temple we'll, we'll, we'll see in later chapters and so none of this really if we look at any of the other temples we looked at there that doesn't seem now people will say oh this is this is talking about the believer or the church and the stream is a is a, a picture of the blessing that flows from the church and you know really spiritualizing things but I, I really don't think there's any need to do that I think there's going to be a, a literal stream flowing from it right now I I, I just wanted to give you I, I don't want to go through every um, verse that talks about the um, the dimensions of this temple but I just I did I, I was interested in what the size was in reality and I I drew it against our map here at the chapel right and so this is the borders of this is Grace Gospel right you have Eretz Lane here and you have Emmaus Avenue here and Linda Lane is the next street so you can see the length of it is in each side is it's a square right and it's it's it goes beyond not Harriet but the next Gale Avenue and beyond it. That's that's how big one side of it is, right? It's it's this huge, really huge, um, you know, seventy thousand seven hundred square miles of of uh, uh, um, area square feet area, um, and you have. Um, a lot of detail that I, I'm, I'm just not going to get into. Um, just, but I think a couple of verses that we want to look at um, in this chapter, just to just to see how. Uh, in, if you turn to chapter 43 and verse seven, let's look at chapter 43 and verse seven. It says, "So you had in the early." In the early uh, books of uh, chapters of Ezekiel, that the glory of God left the temple, right? Solomon's temple, the glory of God left through the east gate and left. And 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 the picture is really sad. It's it's step by step. You see him going to the doorway and then going, and it's very reluctantly, right? Just like there's this picture that you know God wanted to dwell with the people of Israel. They, he wanted to be with them. But they they gradually left and, and just left them because because of their sin, right? And what happens here in chapter forty three is that that glory returns to this temple, this temple in the future when God will rule and reign. There'll be peace and there'll be harmony. And it says in verse four, and the glory of the Lord came into the house by the way of the gate facing towards the east and the spirit spirit lifted me and brought me into the inner court and behold the glory of the Lord filled the throne then I heard one speaking to me from the house while a man was standing beside me he said to me son of man this is the place of my throne and the place of the soles of my feet where I dwell among the sons of Israel forever so God is going to God is saying I am here this is the place of the soles of my feet I'm going to be here and I'm going to be here forever chapter 44 verse 1 
He brought, then he brought me back by the way of the outer gate of the sanctuary, which faces the east. Right? So, it, the, the glory of God came through the east, and it says, and it was shut. And, and, and that's like, basically that, like, speaking of the permanency of that residence, right? He is going to take permanent residency there, and he says, and this gate shall be shut. Right? And so, you have, that sense that God has come and taken his dwelling place. And then we'll go to chapter 48. Chapter 48, right? And this is talking about Jerusalem. So he, you know, through these verses he talks about the division. So he, he describes all the details of the, of the temple. And then he talks about the sacrifices and the festivals being resumed there. And then he talks about the land of Israel being divided amongst all the tribes again. And then here, the last verse of the book of Israel says, And the city shall be 18,000... This is the Jerusalem, right? The city shall be 18,000 cubits round about, and the name of the city from that day shall be, shall be the Lord is there. Jehovah is there. Right? Or... Jehovah Shammah. You might, you might have heard that phrase. Jehovah Shammah. So, this idea that God has come and taken residence there. And He is going to be permanently there. And so this fellowship, this idea of God wanting to dwell with His people, there's going to be a time in the future when the nation of Israel will be regathered and God will be there with them. He will reside with them. When you think about a temple right now in in any way in Jerusalem, it's you know politically it's uh, it just doesn't make sense, right? It, it's it's impossible to think about it. But I think the Word of God gives us insight into things that are going to happen, right? They are going to happen. And as we look through Ezekiel, we just we're just so struck by God's justice, right? God's glory. You know how his you know glory we said manifest excellence of God, right? God's holiness and justice. Like he did not he did not deal with he dealt with the sin of Israel, right? His glory left. He couldn't stand in the presence of this, their sin, so the glory left. He judged Israel. But there we also see the grace and mercy of God, right? Just like we were sinners and and we and and God died for us just the same way. There's a there's a time when Israel has been set aside, but there is a time when they will be restored as a nation. And as we as we think about you know history as as uh, in the big picture, and as we think of God's dealings with the nation of Israel and God's dealings with us, we can only just like with Paul say, all oh, the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge of God, isn't it? That that He's going to He's going to take care of these things. And 
and the, and the fact that God will be victorious. I think that's such an amazing thing. You know, I despair sometimes. I have to be honest. When I see what's going on in this world, I think it's been impl- you know somebody else t- implied it in, in, in something they said. It's like there's so much going on, right? There's you know lies and deceit uh, from pouring out from the mouth of leaders and people, you know, institutions and and there's wars and there's and 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 mankind making you know technological advancements where mankind thinks they're god they're, they're literally right they they're saying it they're coming out and literally saying that there is no god we are the gods right reminding us of those you know the, the, the tower of babel and what happened and you're like god how can you let this go right how can you let this go we 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 think you know there's you know we're they're talking about artificial human beings and AI and all this other stuff that and, and then on top of that you have this you know the, the spiritual aspects to all of that right that 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 you know man is seeking to be eternal right they want to augment human beings to be all knowing as it were and and um, they think they can and then truth is turned upside down right that all kinds of evils so sexuality and and gender and um, I mean just all every avenue and you would be tempted to despair but praise God there is going to be a time when all things will be set right that God will reign every knee to him will bow right every knee to him will bow his throne he will be acknowledged as God and that so I think the millennial kingdom is really an amazing thing to think about in that context that all the things we see here all of it will be set right all of it will be set right so we don't have to despair right what is our responsibility we we have God living in us right and we want to bring as many people into that family we want as many people to come to know God so that God can reside in them as well let's pray our father we thank you for this time that you've given us we thank you that that you will set things right we thank you that you desire a relationship with us that you want habitation with us you want to fellowship with us you want us to worship you and Father, we thank you that you have given us the privilege to do so. Father, help us to to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with you. Help us to seek to spread the gospel of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, if there's any here who 
haven't repented of their sins and accepted the Lord Jesus and we pray Lord this would be the day of salvation that there be a turning to you knowing that you died for our sins we thank you that we have these promises we have these truths that you have given us the scripture that you have the Holy Spirit residing in us so that we can understand these things. We commit uh, the rest of this day to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Sorry for going over time. Thank you.